and welcome back to the Dato Download Podcast. I know it's been a while, but we're back from hiatus with the college baseball season just a couple weeks away. Jack, I know you're excited. I am very excited, Chuck, and I think I've been pestering you to do this for for a couple weeks. And I know you've got the basketball podcast that that didn't exist last year, so you're stretched thin. But I'm excited to talk baseball two weeks until USC's baseball season starts. So I'm glad we're able to get this first episode out there. Now, for any first-time listeners, the Dato Download Podcast is part of the Peristyle Podcast family of shows. The Dato Download is our USC baseball podcast. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratling, along with my co-host, Jack Smith. We break down the latest news and developments about the Trojans program. Last year, we started about halfway through the season, kind of carried it through. We had the big hiatus during the summer. Jack was off in San Luis Obispo calling calling games for a summer league team. I was off doing my own thing, of course. Uh, but, you know, covering football, covering basketball. Now it's back to baseball time, and especially with the way the basketball season is going right now for the men, we want to start looking at, at baseball as well. Should be a fun season. This week we're going to get you caught up with the busy offseason they had. We're just discussing some groundbreaking and I say that in quote air quotes, groundbreaking news, and take a look forward at the upcoming season for the Trojans as they try to take it one step further than they did last year when they were unfortunately snubbed when the USC tournament was revealed on Selection Monday. We'll also have an interview with the man in charge of pushing the Trojans to new heights despite some unique challenges this season as USC head coach Andy Stankowitz is slated to join us. As always, please make sure you guys like, share, subscribe to the Peristyle Podcast and your favorite podcast listening platform. You don't want to miss any of our new episodes talking all things USC from football to recruiting to basketball with our wide range of shows. Also, please leave us a review as we continue to try to grow the show. And if you can also submit questions, comments, concerns for future episodes by emailing podcast at uscfootball.com. Just make sure you specify which show it is for in the email headline so we get make sure it's directed in the right place. Jack, got to ask you, how was the summer in St. Louis Abisbo? First, did you have some great tri-tip up there? I did. I, you know, they served it in the stadium and I, I wanted to make sure that I saved it in the stadium for the last day, but I had had it across town and you put me on two to the, the chocolate shake with the bacon bits inside. You overrated it a little bit, but it was whoa, still really whoa, good. Whoa. Um, but got to see some good college baseball was around a couple of USC players. You know, we had uh, Fisher Johnson and Jacob Galloway and Josh Blum, a lot of players from around the Pac-12 as well from Washington and Arizona, some guys transferring to Cal and other areas like that. So it was good baseball, good to be out there for the summer and good to get a chance to meet a couple of USC's players. Now, Jack is going to be busy this season, not only with this podcast, but also calling a ton of games. Jack, what are your plans kind of right now as as your your career progresses, as you uh, get busy working? I think you're going to be working for USC this year a little bit. Yeah, so I'll be working for the... I guess with the athletic department for the Pac-12, you know, the okay. uh, games that aren't on the Pac-12 network get live streamed online at Pac-12 Live. Uh, so you can go to watch the Pac-12 live stream. If you don't have Pac-12 network, you, you know, it doesn't really matter. You can go watch it for free online. So anyone that wants to watch USC baseball, have a chance to do some of those games on the live stream, still working with the student radio station. But uh, you'll be able to hear me on some of the uh, some of the USC games this season. Playing away from home, though, Shotgun. <laughs> we will get to that. Let's first start with 2023. Andy Stankiewicz comes in his first season with the Trojans. Just a little refresher for you guys. Turn things around immediately. This team goes on a run early and kind of, you know, catches all of our eyes, you know, makes you peek up your eyebrow a little bit going, okay, 
this is not what I expected, especially when they took over so late in the the offseason. You know, it was basically July 4th when Andy Stankwitz was hired. That's late in the cycle for recruiting, especially in the transfer portal. So USC was kind of pulling a little a couple pieces here and there, not the top-tier guys, not the Paul Skeens uh, of the world that were going to LSU and the, you know, the couple of guys that they were able to get, Thatcher Her from UCLA. This was guys that were overlooked or hadn't done anything yet in their career, but they come to USC and those are the guys that really shine for USC. Ryan Jackson was a key part for him in the middle of the infield coming over from Nevada. You had Kate Naoki at the front of the rotation or on Saturdays last year, he'll be on the front of the rotation this year was one of their best pitchers, if not their best pitcher all last season after basically not pitching at Notre Dame and transferring from there. His brother, Connor, comes over as well. He does some, some solid things for him before an injury kind of kind of set him back a little bit. What stood out to you, though, uh, about the 2023 season and the way that USC was kind of able to turn things around much quicker than we maybe anticipated? Yeah, no, I think you, you put it perfectly because the reason that we started the podcast in the middle of the season is because no one really had very high expectations for the team going into the year. You know, they were picked to finish, you know, second to last or last in the Pac-12. And then we turn it around mid-season. You're like, well, this team just beat Stanford in a series. And then they beat Cal and they got a pretty good record and they're winning all their games at home. Maybe we maybe we need to start a podcast about USC baseball. And they continued it for the most part for the entire season. You know, 34, 23 and one respectable record, especially given what the expectations were coming into the year. Um, and and I, I think that you put it perfectly. There's some unheralded guys or, you know, transfers coming in that you didn't expect much from, but they really bonded together as a team. And I think that's a testament to the coaching staff with Andy Stankiewicz and with Travis Jewett, the hitting coach, and Seth Etherton, the pitching coach, that they were able to get the most out of everyone that they had. It felt like they were playing as a team. They'd get the hit that they needed at the, at the end of a the game. They'd clutch up when there were runners on and the, and the pitchers needed to get that final out in the inning. And it just felt like they came together as a team and they were able to do the little things that that college baseball approach that you love to watch where, you know, you're going to bunt the guy over and you're going to steal, but you have to get that last hit. And USC did that a lot of times uh, they were able to take advantage of when the fans started to come out to home games they would really win at home they went 26 and 6 at dado field so uh they did a lot of good things now there were things that they needed to work on tough tough uh road schedule for the team went 6 15 and 1 they got snubbed at the end of the season maybe it was because of that glaring spot on the resume they lost a couple midweek games that you and i said can't lose those midweek games really tanked uh, the RPI. So there were things that didn't go right in the first season. But I think overall, it was a very promising season for year one of the Andy Stankiewicz era. And you have to feel pretty excited coming into this year because you've got a lot of guys coming back. And you know, I know we're going to talk about the roster, but this is an exciting year again for USC. Yeah, you give a ton of credit to the coaching staff and what they were able to do. As we said, pulling some guys that hadn't had a ton of success in their career. And then some guys that were on the roster already that hadn't had a ton of success. I look at Johnny Olmstead, a guy that had, had been fine in his career. Nothing special at USC. He becomes a draft pick under this coaching staff. So one of the big things when Andy Stankiewicz was hired that really stood out to me was the assistant coach hires. Going out and getting Travis Jewett, former head coach at Tulane, had been the top assistant at Vanderbilt, won a national championship, been the top assistant at Arizona State and Washington, Washington State. A number of stops along the way, very highly regarded to be the hitting coach. And the you know his efforts really showed off. I thought they batted 285 as a team and guys that like we said that 
hadn't really done much in their career suddenly were impact players for USC. And then on the other, on the op- opposite side, on the pitching with the pitching, Seth Etherton, former USC all American comes back to USC and, you know, he'd been a pro ball the entire time. So there's question marks there about how well is it going to work? How well is it going to translate when you can't work with guys all the time, like you can in pro ball and listening to the players that I've talked to and stuff, just rave about him as a coach. And then when you get someone like Sergio Brown, as your, as your, you know, uh, your ops guy off the field, you know, a guy that's been an on-field assistant for 20, 25 years. I thought that was impressive. Andy Jenkins coming over and it's now the third assistant. He, you know, uh, was able USC was able to take advantage of the rule in the off season that you can hire a third assistant now. So he's now, uh, rather than being a volunteer previously, he has a ton of Pac-12 experience as well, played at Oregon State. So, you know, I thought the, the coaching staff really stood out, but I thought they were going to have their struggles throughout the season, you know, just because I didn't think there was a ton of talent. And I thought they were a year away for sure. And so I was super impressed with what they were, were able to do. Now there was some talent remaining. I thought Cole Gabrielson was a guy that could end up being drafted, and he was. He had 11 homers, drove in 48 runs to you know tie for the lead. Um, but I didn't expect Johnny Olmstead to be the guy that was tying him for both of those categories, you know, for the team lead. And then Austin O'Vern thought he was an athlete, but even the coaching staff didn't really know what to expect from him because he had played football his uh, you know the fall during his freshman year. He comes out in the spring, hadn't done a ton in the fall, that little bit but was a man on fire the entire spring and drew eyes from all over the country, you know, led the nation in triples with 14 setting the USC mark was only a couple away. And there was a little bit of time there leading towards in the second half of the season. where like, maybe he can catch, uh, you know, if he gets a couple more in the gap or something, maybe he can catch the, the NCAA record, which I think was 18, uh, but just a phenomenal season for him batting 314, like I said, 14 triples, four homers, 38 RBIs, all eyes are going to be on him at the top of the lineup for USC going forward. Uh, but a great breakout campaign for him. A couple other guys, you know, to mention Bryce Martin Grizzlonic, another guy who came from over, over from UCLA and not getting to get a chance to play at all there, was a regular day, regular everyday guy for them as well. And then I got got to give special props to to Blake Sodderston. You know, came over for CSUN, a guy that I've seen basically pitched his entire career. And just be fairly middling, you know, just he would have some success, but then you would fall back. He was their most important pitcher last year, in my opinion. The fact that they could use him in different roles, you know, he ends up throwing 68 innings, even though he only started nine games, you know, 72 strikeouts. They figured some things out with him to to get a little bit more movement on the fastball, and he was outstanding. And, uh, you know, he, he I think he's going to get a chance this spring with, uh, with a minor league or with uh, a pro team in spring training and whatnot. We'll see if he can, you know, catch on somewhere. Uh, but, you know, a lot – to take away from last year, but can they now build on it? And that'll be the big question going forward. So looking forward to, to this group, uh, you know, we, we, we want to talk about what they can do, what they can build forward, but we got to start somewhere else. We've got to start at Dato field. Okay. Well, why are you starting at the stadium? Because the stadium is gone right now. There is no stadium for USC to play in because of the new facilities that the football program is getting uh, that led to you know a widening of the the practice field. There's not going to be two practice fields, big building that's going to be football only. Well, they decided, all right, if we're doing that, then we're moving Dado, and they're going to reorient Dado about 90 degrees. So you know, home plate's going to move basically down to where the left field line is. They're getting a brand new stadium. It should be impeccable when it's done, but it ain't going to be done anytime soon. 
So the baseball team is going to be without a home stadium this year. And that's obviously going to, going to make things very much more difficult for them. You know, there are, there are some challenges. There are challenges last year. This is a whole different level because as you mentioned, they just were not good on the road last year. So now they will play zero true home games this season. Um, you know, what, what, when we find out that news and we had heard some tricklings about it, you know, when it was finally announced, what was kind of your, your, your thoughts on the fact that USC will not have a home home field advantage at all? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, noticed it walking, walking by today, there's a big crane there. They're, they're, they're breaking <laughs> down stuff. Um, but you know, we knew that this was going to happen at some point because USC, uh, you know, a couple off seasons ago, it announced we're going to make new facilities and it was set further in the future, but with the football facilities coming sooner, this is kind of just laid down at the feet of the baseball program. Like, Hey, sorry, we're building the football facility. So the baseball stadium's going now. And you know, my, my initial reaction was it's just, it's just terrible timing. You know, you're coming off such a promising season. You really want to build on that. Like the, it kind of sucks. You know, this happens after they are able to have such a great year in year one. But I also knew that, you know, the players and the coaching staff, they're going to spin this. They're not going to let this, you know, judging off of their, their first season where we said you have to give the coaching staff a lot of credit. You know, they're not going to let this just completely tank what they're going to do in year two and got a chance to talk to some players about it. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not ideal, but you can only control what you what you can control. So we're going to go and we're going to go to those 6 a.m. practices at El Camino College and we're going to take the bus out there to, you know, where they're now going to be playing Orange County and LMU. And we're just going to do our thing because that's what that's what's in our control. Um, I, you know, the other reaction I had is what you what you mentioned earlier is so good at home, so good with the fan base that started to pay attention more and come to games at the end of the year behind them, especially when you look at that UCLA series that it you know it it kind of sucks that the the fans here around USC might not go to games they might stop paying attention and you're also going to lose a lot of that home field advantage that was so important last year with the 26 and 6 home record and struggling on the road so i i think this is going to be a big test for can you improve the way you play away from home in year two? Because if you're looking at anything from year one like that's the one thing you need to get better at is being able to to break from your routine and be able to play away from home, not just walk from your apartment to the field. You've got to go out to to a new stadium. You know, they've got three different home stadiums for the year. You got to be able to make that improvement. Now they need to do anyway. This gives them, I think a little bit more incentive because they've got no home games, but that was, I think my initial reaction is this really makes it more important how they respond to, you know, how poorly they played on the road last year and how well they played at home. Yeah, they, they didn't play well on the road. And there was a stretch where they go to Washington. They had a ton of momentum and didn't play well. And then they lose. Uh, they got swept in that series in a couple games. They could have won. They gave away. And then they play Long Beach State. They play at Cal State Fullerton and lose both of those games. And that was kind of the stretch that did them in when it came to the final, you know, when it came to the final resume and everything. Because you look back on it and you say, oh, that one little stretch, if they, if they could change something there – then maybe something's different. The end of the season, they go to Arizona. Arizona ends up getting into the tournament. USC does not, and they lost that series there. And then the one I think about is Auburn series. They lose two close games um, or a close game, one that kind of got away from a little bit late, and then they have a tie when they should have won that game and someone didn't step on home plate. Um, So – you know, so so that you know those those things and those are things that happen when you're on the road. You know, you step on home plate when you're at home, but when you're in a dynamic environment like it, Auburn is. Now, that's the one thing though. The West Coast doesn't have terrific environments in every stadium, 
So can you now go to Great Park in Irvine, which is where they're going to play the majority of their games, and then over to LMU at Page Stadium? Uh, that one's much more tricky, I think. But I think if you go to Great Park and when they play, I think they have one series that they're going to play um, at, at Cicerone Field at, at Annie Ear Ballpark in UC Irvine. Great, great field, by the way. Um, can you make those your own home? And I think there's opportunities here, Jack. I think there's opportunities because you mentioned how, yeah, they're not going to have the fan support. You know, our fans going to get behind them. This is a great chance to build your fan base. Mm-hmm. All those Orange County USC fans that do not want to drive up on a Friday to see, no. you know, Fridays are when you, the best pitchers pitch. Do not want to drive up on Friday traffic. Hey, here's your opportunity. Go see Caden Aoki pitch. You get to see him pitch against – you're going to see him against UCLA's number one guy and Oregon State's number one guy or whoever along the real way. Um, you're going to get to see them against future big leaguers. This is a great opportunity for them to reach out. And I would be trying to hit up all the high schools. I'd be trying to hit up all the, you know, the booster clubs or whatever there is uh, that are USC, you know, fan clubs and whatnot and say, hey, we want you guys to come out. We're, we're set these tickets aside for you, this group, this six, section, because all the tickets are free too. So mm-hmm. You don't even have to pay. Just come out and check out the, the Trojans. So now in that, and if you do get that crowd, maybe they end up getting a better crowd than we anticipate. But yeah. if you get that crowd, you now you got to perform for it, right? So that's an opportunity there, I think. And then I think the other opportunity is, do you take advantage of this as a team? Make those bus rides the part that these these players remember 30 years from now. Hey, we, we played and we did this and we made it to a regional or a super, whatever. Those things will all be remembered, but make those bus rides be the things that they remember in 30 years. I'm all, I feel like I'm all, I'm almost 20 years away departed from, uh, from playing, but those are the things you remember. You remember being with your buddies. Like we had a seven hour bus ride one time because we made it all the way to Florida when realized our bus driver realized he missed a turn somewhere. We made it to the Florida, the Georgia Florida line, literally, and had turned back because I think we were playing in Macon. Um, and like those are the things you remember on the side of the road. You know what the you know what your teammates did, talking to the coaches and whatnot at a rest stop, all those type of things. Those are what you remember. So make those make those bus trips memorable. So yeah, and you know I, I think this is you know it's it's an unfortunate situation, but not every team gets an opportunity like this either to 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 gel so much you mentioned the auburn series and one thing i want to say is i feel like that's a it could be very symbolic for what's happening this season do you remember where that auburn series was supposed to be played at usc it was supposed to be played at usc but weird southern california rain moved the series to auburn and so you've got this usc team they're so hyped they're welcoming in an sec auburn team at home no, the rain's happening. Now, all of a sudden, right before the series, we've got to head out there on the road. We make a dumb mistake or two. We lose two of the games, and then we tie. You're hoping that doesn't happen for, for USC this season if, if you're the coaching staff. But I feel like that is very similar to what's happened here, where you're approaching the season. Oh, this is going to be so exciting. We're kind of on the map now. We're respected again. Oh, got to go play all of our games away from home. It's, it's, uh, it's very similar. Uh, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that, you know, off the top of my head. But yeah, that that series is supposed to be at home, and instead, it wasn't. You're playing in the SEC now. Going to Great Park, going to LMU are not going to be the same. A little easier, yeah. Uh, but maybe USC fans will come out and make them so. Like LMU is a very does not have much seating. So if you know if a number of USC fans come and hey, I'm a USC fan, yeah, but I'm on the west side. I don't go across the 405. Not during the week, and those are all midweek games. So Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm not. I can't make it to Dado. 
well, here's your chance. Here's your mm-hmm. chance. You're already on the West side. It's going to be at LMU. The, the only thing I will say, I'll give people forewarning, parking there is expensive. So mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have to pay for parking uh, while you will be able to get into the game. So uh, make sure you bring a couple bucks for that. And, and I will say, I actually got to go to Great Park a couple of times this summer. They, the, you know, a team in my league this summer played their games at Great Park. And it's this big, you know, sports complex that's for, you know, bigger travel ball tournaments. But it's really nice. It is. It's got a full press box. It's got good seating. It's got restaurants built in. It is a very, very nice baseball park. So, you know, I, I'd almost say it's a nicer place to watch a baseball game than the current Dado Field. It's more modern and everything like that. So if you're in, in Orange County, don't just be thinking, oh, well, they're just playing at this place where, you know, kids go and play it and this is a real real complex a real stadium it is a good place to watch a baseball game so i i would offer that as a uh kind of an, an incentive or another reason to go watch the team play is because it's not just some you know broke down stadium this is a very nice modern b- recently built stadium that is a fun place to watch a baseball game at now you've been to that stadium how does it play is it you know just a normal field is there anything unique about that stadium yeah, no, it, it's pretty normal. I think it's meant to be a little bit vanilla when it comes to the dimensions and everything like that, because it's you know meant for not youth baseball, but those upper division travel ball tournaments. But it's got you know full seating uh, behind home plate and down the lines. You've got spots to put, I believe, uh, blankets out on the grass behind the fences. You know, I'm not sure if I'd have, have enough seating for it, but it really looks like a place that you could host a regional at. Uh, that's kind of what I would compare it to. Looks like a smaller version of what you'd see the complexes look like in Omaha or at the little league world series, like like places like that, where it's just built for people to come watch games. And I mentioned that because when you go to page stadium, when you go to LMU, the dimensions are different because Mm. there is the blue monster, the, the Mikos monster out in left field, you know, very similar to the green monster at, uh, at Fenway. It was built in the same vein. It is a short porch to left field with a giant wall. Mm. So, how quickly can USC, how much practice can they get over there? One, just get ready for it. Cause they're going to play LMU as well, but all their other midweek games will be played there. So taking care of those midweek games can be valuable are valuable uh, for your resume at the end of the season. Especially you mentioned they'll play Michigan. They'll play Cal state Fullerton, who I think has a great shot in the big West this season. You know, they'll play teams uh, you know, Fresno state will have a chance in, in the mountain West that will, be potential front runners in, in their in the uh, in their own conferences. UC Irvine, you know, can they take care of business against some of those teams that could boost their resume? But they're gonna be playing at a unique field. Can they make it their own home field advantage and get used to the the unique dimensions uh, of Page Stadium and whatnot, um, so that you know that that they can make it their own and they play the ball a little bit better off the wall than the other team does. And, you know, that helps them that, that extra out or whatever it may be that changes, changes a game. Cause that's, you know, what college baseball so often comes down to now looking at the schedule, they will start the season actually on the road. Of course they'll be on the road. They'll start the season in Arizona. They'll be playing in the MLB desert invitational. They'll take on BYU, Grand Canyon, Ohio state. There's some other teams in this as well. There's, you know, it's, in Arizona, the first weekend, if you get an opportunity, I would suggest going out because you can catch the USC games, but you can also catch another game in a different field. So you can catch o- Oregon State always opens the season in Arizona. So go out there and catch them out there. The preseason favorites in the Pac-12 get the chance to see and compare and contrast. What does USC look like? Look at Travis Bazana, their second baseman. He's going to be a top 10 pick more than likely. Um, check out you know them. 
You can also go see Arizona State. They're playing. You know, Grand Canyon is going to be hosting some other games outside of this tournament as well. If you really want to, you can go down to Tucson and catch them playing against Northeastern. And Northeastern's a damn good team um, with some with some good players from the Boston area that you know that uh, I, I've got a chance to check out last year coming up here. Uh, and you can check out their head coach is Mike Glavin, who is actually Tom Glavin's brother. So you know, there's a little bit of you know baseball history as well there. Uh, but you go out to the desert and you catch multiple games. You see, see USC each day and you can see some of their competition as well. I highly recommend it. I'm actually looking into whether or not I will be going out there. That's one of two tournaments that they'll be playing in early in the season. The other one, which Jack, I think you're going to be heading out to is going to be in Texas. And if you're going to be on the road, you might as well just get an airplane and go for it. Right. They're going to go to Texas to play in the Kubota college baseball series at globe life field the home of the Texas Rangers, the World Series champion Texas Rangers. They'll be playing TCU and Texas A&M, two really good um, Big 12 and SEC programs that have been consistently good for the last, I don't know, decade or so, very much because of one man who has spanned the two programs, Jim Schlossnagel, who really built that TCU program up and then turned it over to Kirk Sarloos, former pitcher at Cal State Fullerton, um, now he's the head coach at Texas A&M, and both those programs are going to be really good. So that's another chance for USC to kind of show, all right, where are you at nationally? Not just against the local teams in the Big West and the WCC, you know, your non-conference games, where are you at nationally? So that'll be fun to to see what they're doing there. In between those two, that'll be uh, they'll that'll be the third weekend when they play that series. Uh, in between that, we'll get our first opportunity to see USC at Great Park. They'll their their first non-conference quote unquote home series will be against Portland, and Portland was a pretty good team in the WCC last year. So uh, you know, look at those first three weekends. What kind of stands out to you? I know, you, like you said, you get a chance to go out to Globe Life. Uh, what are you looking forward to the most going out there? Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a lot of good baseball. You know, they play TCU twice. They play Texas A&M once. They don't play Arizona State, but Arizona State will be there that weekend as well. I know your other employer, D1Baseball.com, says eight of their top 100 MLB draft prospects will be playing for those four teams in the tournament. So there's going to be a, a rich amount of talent out there. And also, you know, you get to play a game if you're USC in a stadium that just held the World Series. Now, they got to play one game in Angel Stadium last year, but they kind of roped off a lot of areas and there was only a small portion for fans. This time you get to go to a brand new MLB stadium, one of the newest, I think the newest in Major League Baseball that just you know held the World Series champions and you're playing some schools that you will never play, not never play, but rarely play in front of scouts, in front of fans, and just a beautiful area to, to, to watch a baseball game and to play a baseball game. That'll be really fun. I also think, you know, you're going to Arizona as well to play in some spring training fields. If you're forced to be away from your home stadium all year, you should do as many of these things as possible because I think it's easier to get psyched up for a tournament than maybe it is to play a midweek game at LMU. You know, you're going across the country to play some SEC teams and some Big 12 teams, uh, as well as, you know, Ohio State and a Big 10 team they're going to play next year. Like, go there and do that instead of playing all their games at Great Park, all the games at LMU. They're taking advantage of, I guess, what we said earlier. You can phrase it as an opportunity that they have to play all their games away from home. Yeah, and then they'll come back from that tournament, and you know that that's the first weekend of March. Second week of March, Pac-12 play starts. So you know, within a month, we'll find out you know what these Trojans are about, and they'll they'll get a chance to get a little redemption maybe against Arizona, the team that got in over them in the you know in the the on Selection Monday. 
Uh, also got in over UC Irvine, who should have been in over either of those teams, but I digress. Uh, so that'll start Pac-12 play, and then obviously they go through the whole gauntlet, which the Pac-12 will be once again. And then eventually the season will end in Scottsdale, Arizona, at the Pac-12 tournament. Always fun. It will also be the final one. It'll only be the third one, and it'll be the final one because the Pac-12 tournament it will be no more with no Pac-12. And then USC will head off to the Big Ten, and we'll have a whole new t- t- uh, list of topics to talk about next year. But let's look at the state of the program. You know, we talked about how we were super impressed with what they did last year. And maybe this year was the year we were expecting, all right, let's see some positive results and see where they're at. But, you know, the, the timeline has definitely been pushed forward. Do we push the timeline back now because of the the stadium issues and the fact they're going to be on the road and it's going to create these new challenges? Or do you push it, you know, even more forward because of what they showed you last year? What is your anticipation anticipation? try to get that word out anticipation for this season. And where do you kind of see where the program is at right now? Still looking for only their second NCAA tournament regional appearance since Mike Gillespie did, uh, was uh, very uh, rudely pushed out of the program. RIP to the great skip Gillespie. I, I think you and I talked about it off air. Everything that I'm looking at, for the program right now and for the team comparing last year's team to this year's team and seeing the progress they made and people they've brought in and places where they were able to return a lot of talent. Basically everything is saying, wow, this team is going to be better than last year. Like this is, they have improved. Like this is a better roster, maybe an easier schedule depending on, you know, who you're playing and the home team, home games and the away games and everything like that. And then the news hit and it's like, how much does this, weigh down all the other positives that were in my head and that I was thinking about going into the year. And I think it would be easy if they were if they were 500 or just a little bit above 500 at home last year and a little bit above 500 on the road or maybe a little below 500, that's not a, a big deal. Maybe other teams were not having this same conversation, but just because of how much they struggled on the road, it it just makes you have to think, are they going to be able to handle this transition? Is it going to be harder on them than it would be on other programs and other teams? And I think, you know, it is it is a disappointing timeline for USC. Like the, the, the fact that this is happening going into this year is not great. But at the same time, I would assume if we ask Andy Stankiewicz and we'll get a chance uh, in this episode, hey, does this slow down your timeline? Does Do you look at this season any different way? He's going to say, well, hell no. Why, why would we do that? Like, I, I guarantee you, if we asked him that, that's what he would say. So, uh, you know, I, I think that you have to put a little bit of trust in the coaching staff to get the guys ready because they did so last year. But at the same time, there's so many positives that y- you hope it doesn't get weighed down by this one negative. Uh, but it is something that has crossed my mind. And we should point out, though, you know, we mentioned how they were picked either last or dead last, uh, you know, down the bottom third uh, at best in the Pac-12 standings before last season. They finished fourth, you know, they mm-hmm. finished with a 17 and 13 record. Uh, first time they'd finished with a, well, with a winning record in the PAC 12 in several years, probably since 2015, maybe they, maybe 2016 off the top of my head. I can't remember. Uh, but 2015 was the the only other time that they've been to a regional, like I said, since 2005 when they, you know, got rid of Skip Gillespie the next year, but they return a lot now. Oh, actually, first I want to get back to, to one thing you said, the you talked about how this hits and it's like all the momentum they have and it's kind of you know the 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 air is sucked out a little bit with the momentum they have we're building going into the season that may be true however the momentum they've had on the recruiting trail this does not hurt at all 
And let me tell you why is because this news came so late in the recruiting cycle. Everyone that's coming this year was already signed. Everyone that's pretty much a senior, a lot of those guys are already made their commitment. Now there may have been one or two people, I don't know, but all you tell them is, Hey, you might, you might miss your first year, your first year in the new, in, in the new stadium or your, excuse me, your first year of college, you may not be in a new stadium. However, you're going to get to be the first one to mm-hmm. experience it. And so everyone they're recruiting now, everyone's not committed. You know, a lot of the, the recruit, the, the seniors going, the kids that are seniors this season that are going into their senior year, those kids are already committed. Uh, a lot of them are already signed during the early signing period. The kids that are juniors, a lot of those kids are committed too. Um, but, you know, the kids that are going to be there that are two years away are the ones that haven't made commitments. And those are the ones you're, you're going to be recruiting now. So now you got this huge recruiting pitch. Of, hey, you get to help open this brand new stadium. You get to break it in. Exactly. So I think that, you know, the timing as far as that help, you know, does not hurt recruiting at all. It may even help recruiting. Now it may hurt them a little bit as far as the transfer portal with grad transfers this upcoming year. But even so, you know, the guys that were, that they went after this off season, those guys were already, you know, were already signed and were already taking classes by the time this news came out. So, you know, that's one area where maybe they have to, you know, evaluate, do we go after grad transfers? You know, are they telling us I want to play somewhere different next season uh, versus, you know, maybe we go after guys that have a couple years eligibility, similar to Brock Blatter, a guy that get brought in after his freshman year from Alabama, you know, a kid that could potentially be a frontline starter for him rather than just a grad transfer like Jared Ficus that they brought in. So, you know, maybe they uh, adapt a little bit as far as the recruiting of the transfer portal, but as far as the high school kids, I think this, this works out pretty well for them. Yeah, and I think that you you mentioned the changing up the transfer portal uh, strategy. I, that's probably their two biggest success stories from the portal last year were true freshmen the season before and transferred in for either their sophomore or their redshirt freshman years. And maybe Blake Sodderson get thrown on the list, but you're talking about Caden Aoki, who led the Pac-12 in ERA, and Bryce Martin-Grudzalanik, who hit over 300 and played a good amount of second base for you. Those are two of your biggest hits. And also, when you bring in players at that caliber, you've got them for one or two or sometimes three more years. So more than just having them for one season. Now, there are obviously a lot of good one-and-done transfers, but I think USC has shown that they can hit on both the grad transfers as well as the younger guys who are maybe cast-offs from their former schools. Yeah, and let's look at, at what the roster holds. You know, we're going to break this down. We're going to hope to – we're going to try to get uh, Seth Etherton and Travis Jewett the next couple of weeks and break this down a little bit more. So we're not going to really focus in on each individual players. But just in, in general, the Trojans return a lot. You know, they didn't lose a ton of players off last year's roster. You know, their their starting rotation, they bring back their top two guys, and Caden Aoki, Tyler Stronsburg. They, you know, and and – uh, Aoki, D1 Baseball, we just had him as our preseason Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year. It's been a minute since USC's had the Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year. I'm going to have to actually look that one up to see the last time that happened. Like I, It doesn't pop off the top of my head. Um, and then on the offensive side, you return seven of your nine you know, everyday starters, and you know Johnny Olmstead and Cole Gabrielson are, get drafted. Uh, congratulations to them on that. But USC has more pieces that they can plug in. And you get back Austin O'Vern. This is going to be his last year at USC, almost all, uh, barring an injury, because he will be draft eligible this year. So what can you do, you know, with the talent that you have? You know, this this is the year where for them to make a, a, a big push forward, I think, just with how many players they have returning and how many guys already have had some success. 
So you're not really, really worried about the confidence piece of it. Whereas a lot of times, like last year, the guys hadn't had success. So then when they do, okay, you start trying to build on it. Now you get a chance to build on it. They return a ton, and then they added selectively, as we mentioned, a couple of the transfers already, and then the freshman class they have coming in. So the roster will be at 40-man. That's a, a rule this year for the NCAA. So they should have more options. And, you know, what kind of stands out to you about what is returning to this roster? What is, what's the biggest thing that catches your eye? Yeah, there's kind of two stats that I've, that I've picked out, at least prepping for some of the broadcasts that we have to do early in the season that, that really stick out to me and that I enjoy. USC returns the, the starting pitcher that led the team in ERA innings and uh, starts. And those are three different guys. You had Kay Naoki, who led the team in ERA, Tyler Stromsborg, who led the team in innings. And actually, Eric Hammond led the team in game started because he started as a Sunday guy and then pitched in the midweeks as well. And, you know, this offseason, at least so far, it seems like his velocity is back up after having Tommy John surgery last year. So, you know, maybe those three guys are the ones that you can immediately just slot in Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You've also, you know, we'll talk about it later. You've added some guys who could potentially uh, pick up one of those roles as well. And then USC returns all four of its 300 hitters from a season ago. You you had Ethan Hedges, Jacob Galloway, Bryce Martin, Grezelank, and of course, Austin Overn. All four of those guys are coming back. Uh, you return Ryan Jackson, who was a key piece up the middle. Uh, one of those glue guys, I think, that, that made it seem like this is a team that has good culture and that they're the ones that can do the little things right. Like he's the perfect coaches player for that. Um, and you're just returning such a, a strong piece of a young lineup that hit really well last year. And now you're just hoping, okay, which one of those guys can go from a 280 hitter to a 310 hitter? Who can go from hitting 300 to hitting 330? Who can go from hitting seven home runs to hitting 13? Um, you're hoping that these young guys that already played well last year two of them break out and they're not all American level, but they're all Pac-12 level like Austin O'Vern was last year because USC only had two all Pac-12 players, I think. Um, so you're just hoping that those guys can take the next step. But the fact that you returned seven of your nine uh, hitters from, from the lineup and three of your starters, it, it it opens up room for breakout players because you have so many young guys coming back. Yeah, the answer to that question is Carson Wells and Luca DiPaolo. Just going ahead and say it and right now. Those are the two guys that I'm picking immediately to 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 break out a little bit. But and Luca DiPaolo is someone who he's one of those. He's not one of those seven. Like he is someone that will true. fill one yeah. of those other two spots. Which is you know if 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 that's your pick, that makes it even more exciting for USC. Yeah, but they also brought in some notable newcomers. So I got to ask you, Jack, who are you most excited to see from this group of freshmen and transfers that they brought in? I think Chris Brown is the name that you go to first in the lineup. A uh, guy that's coming over from UConn, missed all of last year, um, but had a really strong end to his 2022 season, was an all-Big big East tournament team, the Notre Dame Regional Tournament team. That was kind of the last that we saw of him, and he was hitting the cover off of the ball. Uh, you know, played healthily this summer in the West Coast League and was a third baseman before at UConn. He came, came in, and the USC staff says, hey, you know, that's working, but let's try you here at first base. Um, and that seems to be where he's going to stick. So I would assume that he's going to play first base. I've heard a lot of good things about the way that he played in the fall. But if you're asking me who I'm most excited to see, I, there's, I think, one answer. And we don't know how much we're going to see him, but it, it's got to be Deuce Robinson. And we talked about him a lot on all the football shows. And obviously, any USC fan knows Deuce Robinson's name. He is still playing baseball, didn't get drafted. But this is a guy that's been compared to Aaron Judge before by the Texas Rangers hitting coach, who, of course, just won the World Series. So there's 
a lot to be excited for about what Deuce Robinson could potentially be on the baseball field. Now, I'm excited to get a chance to ask Andy Stankiewicz about his development and just how much he's been able to do since the football season ended when he got his hands on him. Um, but if you're just taking into account the type of athlete that Deuce Robinson is and what we've already seen from him on the football field, if he can live up to the baseball expectations that people had from him coming out of high school, that would be a big piece for USC as well. But I'm just excited to see him touch the field and you know how many times he's going to play. Yeah, it should be interesting because he's a guy that they don't have to rely on. It's not like they immediately have mm-hmm. to slot him in and say, we, we need you to perform. So he can come along slowly if need be. Um, and, you know, so if he's a little bit behind the curve because he didn't get as much time in the fall, that type of thing, and he doesn't heat up until midseason or something, and suddenly it starts clicking, and then you can throw him in and get some at-bats, then, you know, that could be something that's like an extra piece you're adding throughout the season. We'll see. I got to say, as a former pitcher, I'm, of course, going to go to the pitching side. I'm, I'm looking forward to Xavier Martinez, the CSUN transfer. They could use him in the rotation. He's he's pitched pretty much the entire time in his career as a reliever at CSUN, so they could use him there. They wanted to stretch him out and, and you know, potentially have him as a starter. We'll see if he gets in the weekend rotation or if that's on Tuesdays. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's got he's been up to 93, plus-plus slider, good changeup to complement it. You know, I, I'm excited to see what he can do. And then another guy who, again, might be a little bit further down the road, but I mentioned murder is, is Brock Bladder, the kid from Alabama. I remember seeing him in high school at the area code games and big body, big body frame, 6'5", 6'6", somewhere in there. And, you know, it's, it's a downhill fastball that can get up to the mid-90s. So we'll see, you know, as he as he progresses becoming a pitcher, and that was the thing I was told about him both from the Alabama side and from what USC was looking at him is he's still raw. He's still raw. He's a guy that played multiple sports in high school. So, you know, and not playing the best competition up in uh, Montana or Idaho. I can't remember. Montana. Montana. Um, So, you know, he has an opportunity to continue to get better and better as he learns how to pitch a little bit more. So I'm excited to see the pitching side of it as well. Yeah, and, and you trust Seth Etherton to turn him from a thrower into a pitcher. And now the question is going to be, can he do that in one offseason uh, and have him ready for the start of this year? Or is it, you know, maybe he heats up in the middle of the year and we get him a couple more opportunities and then we see what he is next year. Uh, but you had a lot of pitchers that were A, on USC's roster, but also B, not on USC's roster that Seth Etherton really turned around last year. Um, you have to cr- give him a lot of credit. I believe USC led the Pac-12 in Team ERA, so he was able to put together a big pitching performance. Um, so yeah, those two guys, I think, will will play a big role. It worked out with a transfer from CSUN last year with Soderson. You hope the same thing can happen with Martinez. And, you know, by the end of it, uh, Eric Hammond was a guy that had the plus-plus stuff and was coming off of an injury and needed some refinement by Seth Etherton, and he ended up having a pretty good season. And so there's parallels here. Um, and I think you trust the coaching staff to get their hands on these guys. And you're hoping that, you know, one of them sticks or two of them potentially uh, even more. Yeah. And, and we talk about the, you know, them leading the conference in ERA. That's an impressive stat, especially first year with a, with a new program. But also one of the dangers that they had was they had to rely on guys a little bit more than mm-hmm. they wanted to because they didn't have the depth. Now they have more depth. And that's one of the big question marks is they were able to do that last year because they had some guys at the back end, notably Garrett Clark closing out games, uh, Kyle Wish in front of him, who had outstanding numbers. Those guys are gone now. So who steps into those back end roles? So that's one of the big question marks. But now it seems like there's more options for them to go to. Now we'll see if those options play out. And by the end of the season, if it's similar where there's seven guys you trust versus are there 10 guys you trust? 
and can it be some of those new guys coming in? But I feel like they have a ton of options. We didn't mention a couple of other guys, a Juco kid, Will Watson, you know, was drafted in the, the last round by Seattle, did not sign with them, came to USC up to 96 when I saw him in the fall. Uh, Jared Ficus, the Santa Clara transfer, who's a sidewinder. I love me a good sidewinder as a former side armor myself. So I'm excited to see what he can do. He's a guy that could be a starter, could be a reliever. They have a couple different guys that have that versatility to give them a little bit more options. But then you talk about Josh Blum. You, you talk about you, Hammond could be a guy that could – you know, if his, his stuff plays up, maybe he's a backing guy for you. Yeah, that's what I was thinking this offseason, too. too. Fisher Johnson, you know, that pitched with you guys uh, up there in St. Louis Obispo. You know, Caden Connolly from the yeah. left-handed side. Austin Channing, we've heard he's been up to you – know, I heard he, I was told he's up to 97. I think you heard even more than that. So, you know, there's some exciting pieces. Now, who performs? And that, mm-hmm. that'll be something they figure out those first three weeks when they're on the road at different places and playing into this different competition before they start Pac-12 play. But do they have 10 guys versus seven guys, you know, that they really trust this season? That'll be the, the, the thing. And if you can get more than that, that's even better. Yeah, and I think that the important part, too, is like you can have seven guys that you trust to throw between the sixth and the eighth inning. Who are you going to trust to get the outs in the ninth inning when it's a one-run game and there's a runner in scoring position? You won so many games last year because of Kyle Wish's ability and Garrett Clark's ability to close out those games, sometimes going more than one inning, sometimes pitching all three games in a series. I think right now you would feel confident with you know Connolly or Blum or Johnson or any of these guys pitching the seventh or the eighth who's the guy that steps up and separates themselves and you're confident that can they can pitch the ninth inning and if that doesn't happen then you know it's in in games like that especially close games which USC played a lot of last year you've got to have someone that you can trust in the back end of that bullpen I would say if you're looking at this team and the biggest spot that they lost from and the biggest question mark coming into the season outside of the off the field stuff that's going on with the stadium what's going to happen at the back end of the bullpen? Like who is going to replace Clark and wish because USC probably over relied on those two last year. They were great, but they kind of ran them into the ground by the end of the season. They asked them to do a lot. Who is going to fill those two roles? I think is the biggest question mark heading into the on-field season for USC. Keep an eye on Josh Blum. I was told he's lost 25 pounds in great shape right now. And that's made his stuff play up even more. So we'll see if he's a guy that is ready to take that next step. So that, that'll be something to be fun. We're going to talk a little bit more about all these topics we've mentioned a little bit because we're going to have Andy Stankowitz, the head coach, join us after our break. So make sure to stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back from the break. Make sure to check out our sponsors and also please like, subscribe, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. Also, if you have any questions, comments, requests, you can send them into podcast at uscfootball.com. Just make sure you put the Dato download, the baseball pod, and the headline to make sure it gets directed to us. We now welcome in our guest for this week's episode, USC head coach Andy Stankowitz. Andy, thanks for taking the time to join us. So excited to have you back on the show again this season. Uh, Shaga, my pleasure. Jack, um, good morning. Good morning. 
we're looking back on last year, we, you know, we we touched on last year. We looked a little bit forward. We're going to try to get you know Coach Etherton and, and Coach Jewett on in the couple of weeks leading up to the season as well. But we want to start with last year. Looking back on last year, what was the biggest accomplishment that you guys were able to make as a coaching staff, as a team, and how do you build on that going forward? Yeah, um, I think probably um, I think the biggest challenge or one of them is when you're in completely new coaching staff. And this is remember I'm I'm. I've never coached with any of these guys as well. So there was a challenge there in, in learning each other and kind of learning each other's personalities and, and me as a head coach, giving them space and freedom to do what they came here to do. Um, and so I think that that was, I think that I was able to understand them better and, and how they work and what's going to help them be in a, in a space to where they feel like they can effectively coach our guys. And so I think that was a, a challenge for me. And, um, and I feel great men, great relationships. So I really feel like we, we did that well. Um, and I think that the other challenge, I think that we, we were, it was big. It was just getting buy-in. You got a completely new staff and, and buy-in from the players and that, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, they trust us, right. There's a trust component whenever a new, new staff comes in. And, and I think that the guy's, we're willing to kind of like uh, say, okay, coach to all of us, you know, we trust you. We, we believe in how you teach and we believe in, 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 in the, the ability to really care about us as people. And so here we'll, we'll let you, we'll listen. And so I think that that was probably the, the one of the things I think that we were able to accomplish. The guys were, were willing to kind of just buy into what we were, what we were bringing. When you guys all came in last year, one of the things you tried to address first in the offseason was building the foundation and regaining respect for the program, bringing in veteran leaders, of course, other people in the transfer portal, and then getting that buy-in. What was the biggest thing that you guys tried to address this offseason now that you've built that foundation? Um, I just, I just, we've got to keep it moving. It, it was, it was a, I think it was a solid year last year, year one, but, and I think uh, the, the, the message has been it's, it's this is USC and and we've got to keep this train's got to keep moving hard fast and um we can't be we can't get complacent right in in any of this and um I think that's been the message that they've been hearing is it's time to it's time to go to the the the, the next level right it's just what we did that we, we weren't it was a good year but remember we didn't get we didn't get in a regional I mean so that's that's not that's not a good thing that's that's a bad thing at the end of the day and so so just having them understand that we still got a ways to go, man. We got a long ways to go. Um, but I thought we I thought we were off to a good start. You got a ways to go as well for practice and for games because you guys do not have Dato Field. The usage of it this season is being re- reconstructed or being, you know, new construction there, which should be awesome for you going forward. I'm sure that's a great recruiting tool for you uh right now. But for this season, big challenges of being on the road for every game. How do you kind of address that with the team? How do you attack that? Uh, you know, you know, what was kind of the message to the team when you let them know that, hey, you're going to be playing most of your games down in Irvine, a good hour drive away on a good day in L.A., or during the midweek we're going to go over to LMU across the, the 405 to the west side. So And, and practice, you're going to have to get up at 6 a.m. because we're going to bar- be borrowing somebody else's field. What was the message to the team, and what's been the biggest challenges so far? Well, um, the message was very simple. It's like, this is what we have. And, um, and you know, we talk about, in, in coaching, talk about 
control you can control. And we, us, even as coaches, we can't, we can't control that. Right. It's a great thing. Like you said, at the end of the day, when this is when the new data is complete, it's going to be, it's going to be gorgeous. Um, but in the, in the, in the meantime, you know, what are, what are we going to do about it? We're going to whine about it. We're going to cry about it. We're going to make excuses. Um, we just told them we're not going to do that. Right. There's no, I don't want to hear coaching staff or players in one for any moment to cry about being on the bus. And I said, if you don't want to be on a bus a lot, then leave, then just leave now. And so it's, it's okay. It's we are, if you don't, if you're not comfortable with this, then leave. And that, cause this is what it's going to be for the next two years. Um, and said, and so I just kind of just made it really, really simple for them that um, this is the way it's going to be. And uh, yeah, there's going to be some challenges, but we're not going to, we're not going to let that, um, that that be excuses for for whatever happens transpires during the season. Um, I really think that at the end of the day, if if myself and our coaching staff can can do this in in a way that it could it could kind of unite us, kind of bring us closer together, right? And so that's my challenge is trying to figure out a way to to make this work in a way that, that the guys actually start to enjoy it. Now it's easy now because we're not we're not there's no no bullets flying back at us. But you know when when you're in a three or four game skid and people are mad at each other and frustrated with another, and then you got to get on a bus again and you got all those, it's just, there's more challenges will come, but they've, they've, they've been fine so far, but I know that the real challenges will come when in the middle of the season, when we're, when they're, they're frustrated with one another and they're frustrated with me and, and then um, we got to get back on a bus again and we got to sit in traffic and they got, you know, all the stuff that we're going to deal with. Um, but, um, but it, we won't, we won't let it be an excuse. I can tell you that shotgun. Logistically, without the field so far, what has the process been like for you guys when it comes to practices and scrimmages and everything like that? Well, El Camino College, um, Coach Palmer over there has been um, been outstanding. Um, they got a turf field too, which is great. So we can basically it's just open the gate and, and roll the balls out and practice and get out, and then they come on the field and they start their practice right. And so um, that's been it's been a great setup. It's only ten miles or so away, so it's not not that bad of a drive in the morning. Um, and we're fortunate too that um, they've kept the, the batting cages at Dado for us, and we have an outfield, left field to center field grass area that we've uh, constructed two little little diamonds on chalked out two fields, you know. And so now we've got our little fields in the outfield, and we've got but the batting cages. We have to sell the bullpens there. So, um, so you know, I'll have to find out moments where we just stay at Dado, right? We stay, we, we just walk over to the old field and 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 uh, get our work done there in the cages, and then when we need a team practice, then obviously getting on a bus to El Camino. And so, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's early wake up. The guys, are, our guys are taking afternoon courses so that we can have the morning block for for weights and for practice. And so, um, it's a little bit different but different as you guys know doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing it's just different so so we'll just we'll figure it out yeah i was wondering you know how do you kind of turn the kind of road warrior season that you have how do you turn it into a positive um you know i mentioned to jack those bus trips are some of the things that you remember 20 years from now more than more, more so than every game's results um is there something that you guys try to dive in or push even a little bit more about the mentality and you know the actions that you have to make just to to be able to go to practice and go to games. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, um, little video clips, right? We got the buses are so nice now. You can put little video clips of of 
motivational, you know, um, you see all these uh, things you get on YouTube, right? So now I'm becoming a YouTube guru. <laughs> I'm on YouTube trying to find, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Put that one on the bus. Put that one on the bus. And so um, um, so you just find creative ways and to try to make it light and and kind of, you know, just easy for them. And, uh, um, but when you get on a bus at six o'clock in the morning, there's not a whole lot of talk going on. They're, they're trying to wake up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that's part of it is just getting them to, to, Hey man, let's just make this And the, the university has been great. Like when we go to Irvine on a weekend, we're, we're going to stay down here. We're, we're not, we're not, we're not going to bus back. We have a weekend, non-conference weekend or a conference weekend down at Issue Creek Park. We're going to, we're going to check in a hotel on, on Thursday evening. And, and, um, and that's, that, that's, that's not done all the time. Shotgun like that. Right. I mean, we got, we got, we got an administration and athletic administration and, athletic director that's like hey we gotta let's make this right let's make this as, as, as good a situation as we can for the baseball program and so i certainly am appreciative that that they're, they're going to do their very best to, to put us in an environment where guys are ready to compete and have success and so um um yeah we'll we'll, we'll turn around and try to have some fun you know you have bus bus oki you know your guys are always bring the guys up and they have to sing a song and and, and just have some fun with it so we, we we'll we'll be creative and figure out ways to, to have some good, good times on the bus. Well, they've got you on YouTube before long. They might have you uh, scrolling TikTok all the time. We'll see. Uh, well, <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. Maybe. What do you think this year's team's biggest strengths are? I think we pitch. I think we, I think we got some depth on the mound, which is really a good thing. we got some returners. You know, you look at Ioki, um, Hammond, Strongborg, right? Um, three guys that have pitched a lot. Channing Austin's coming off. Um, um, uh, injury, but he's back. He's healthy. We got uh, this young man, um, Ficus from Santa Clara, that I that I think is going to be a big part of our our pitching staff, just because he's he's pitched a lot and he's pitched a lot of good games and and uh, he's had a lot of success over there at Santa Clara, which has got a great program. Of course, Filters doing a great job, and so um, yeah, I, I think that that there's some. We got ex uh, Xavier Martinez from Northridge that has pitched a lot of innings. Um, we got a young man named Will Watson that was a nice, got a nice arm from from uh, um, junior college out in NorCal, and he's here. And so, there's a lot of good pieces there on the mound. Um, I think there's some good depth there. We got returners and Josh Blum, right? Fisher Johnson. There's we got some good. Young, so I, I I like the options that we have on the mound, probably as much as anything else. Um, and I do. We need our position players to the guys coming back, the Greslonic, the Jacksons, O'Verns, Hedges. Um, we need, um, Wells, we need, we got some nice young players that are here that are pushing them, which is, which is a great thing. I mean, we need those, those guys to, they had nice years last year, but they need, they need to have better years this year. We can't just, just sit on, on last year. Um, if they're better then then I think we're going to be fine. If they go backwards and, and when you're forced to throw freshmen out there that maybe aren't ready, then that could, that could slow us down a little bit offensively. Yeah, is there anything that you have to do different when there are now some expectations? Whereas last year coming in, there really weren't. There was no one on the team that had had sustained success, you know, for very much. So it's kind of whatever you get from them is is a positive, and then you kind of work from there. Now with there being more expectations, hey, these certain guys had good years. Guys like Austin O'Vern uh, that are going into draft years. 
how do you deal with it a little bit differently uh, from the approach standpoint on the coaching side when, you know, there are a little bit more different expectations for sure. Yeah. Um, Jacques, great point. I, I, I told the guys not too long ago that last year was a kind of a freebie, you know, nobody really, you know, we were, we were picked to come in last in the conference um, and we didn't. And now this year we're, we're picked better, which is cool. That's a good thing. I'm not, we don't get caught up in, in those, those predictions, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a step in the right direction for sure that we went from last on the prediction to, I think, what, third or fourth, whatever it is. I don't know. So there's certainly stronger expectations in year two. And that's a good thing. I said, I, if, I hope that you came here to play at USC because that's the standard. It's That should be the standard. It should be in in a year's time, one year's time, we were able to 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 do that. We, we, flipped, we flipped the switch a little bit, right, to – a last place prediction to, to, you know, kind of at the, at the more towards the top. And that should be why you came here. And again, if, if you can't handle it, then leave, then leave. It's just, I, I really, I leave a door wide open for guys to leave anytime they want to. I really do. And so, um, and so if you're willing to accept that standard and expectation and, and work and go and, and then we'll be fine. But if it's not for you, um, then, then if that's too much for you to handle, then you're in the wrong spot. You're in the wrong, you're in the wrong place. Um, and I'll shake your hand and I wish you the very best. And we all, we all will move on. And so I think for us as a staff, it's just like, Hey, this is, this is where we're at. This is why we came here. We came here to, to raise the bar. Um, and that's what we're going to continue to do. And, you know, and now we've got to recruit players that can handle that too. Right? That's up to us, man. Recruiting, Recruiting's big, man, and, and it's 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 a lifeline. It's what if you don't recruit well, then I don't care how good a coaching staff we are, we think we are, can be. If we don't have some horses that can do it, then it doesn't matter. And so we've got to recruit well, right? We've got to make sure that we're recruiting the players that that are skilled enough, and number two that that are that are that are baseball have a baseball IQ and a desire to get better and, and to be great and, and all that. And so. Um, so there's some challenges for everybody, but in that, and I'm talking about the staff as well. Um, I certainly understand the expectations here. Um, um, and I, that's why I came here. I came here because that's what it, I understand. I understand what's in front of us. You guys obviously return a lot of talent, but also newcomers in the form of transfers and freshmen who stood out to you so far and how satisfied with you about the newcomer class that you guys were able to kind of drum up over the off season. Mason Edwards on the mound, young kid, local kid from PV, is is uh, a left-handed pitcher. Um, he's he's uh, he's worked his way into position to I think possibly get some starts on a midweek um, and get some innings on a, on a weekend. Left-handed arm, it's um, we'll see. I mean, um, but he's he certainly put himself in a, in a nice spot. Um, we like obviously um, Will Watson, the nice arm from. Um, from uh, up North Cal, but he, he's got those strikes. He's got to command the ball better. It's, it's been kind of a hit and miss. And um, and so, but it's certainly some arm speed and some arm strength there that's going to gonna play. And um, probably a bullpen piece, I would think, as we start, start the season. Um, you know, he came here, he came here hoping to be a starter, but he hasn't really shown starter stuff yet. And that doesn't say he won't, but as of right now, but it's a good arm. It's a, 
Um, and then I talked about Martinez, young to transfer, like him, got some moxie, some toughness to him. And then um, Ficus, the kid we got from Santa Clara. It's interesting. The only young man, the only player on our roster that's been in a regional is, is Ficus, the kid from Santa Clara. Um, and so he's been there. He understands it. He's pitched in some big games. He's he's pitched in some tournaments. He's pitched in a regional. So I like his experience. Um, position player-wise, um, Okay, young. We got a couple of young young hitters. I think that that are going to be interesting. Um, Kevin Takuchi um, from Rancho Bernardo High School down in San Diego, a nice right-handed hitter. And then uh, Avery Cole Rubius from Cypress High School. Uh, he's a baseball player. He's got he's got IQ. He's baseball. He's a rat. He 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 wants he wants to play baseball. Um, and so I think those two guys have certainly shown you know the ability to play as a freshman, like right now, which is great. I told him the other day, I was like, I don't, when you get here, don't, I don't want to hear out oh, coach. I'm a freshman. I don't, I'm, I'm not supposed to play. Yeah, you are. We put you into play, but, you know, you better, better go. You're a freshman during the fall. There's no more freshmen now. They don't exist anymore. And so, but those two guys and, um, you know, shown a pretty good piece. Uh, kid we got from Connecticut, Chris Brown, big physical, um, young man, he's playing a lot of first base for us. I think he's, I think he's got a chance to hopefully sit in the middle of the lineup and be a run producer for us. Um, he's had a lot of at bats at UConn, and UConn, as you know, is a great program. Um, you know, um, all the respect for that program, and so we feel like ooh, he's kind of been in it. He's been in some fires before as well. So, um, yeah, we we again, it's a lot of moving parts, and and every coach would tell you right now, we all we all feel like we got we're all going to Omaha. Because we're having inter squads, right? You, you win an inter squad. You, you win. You can't lose. Um, now the real the real bullets start flying. And we'll 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 know better. We'll know what's going on. You mentioned how you know if you've been here in the fall, then you, you're not really a freshman anymore. Well, that means you still got at least one true freshman in Deuce Robinson, and he's the name that everyone wants to know about just because of being the success on the football field. What's the process been of, of working him into the mix? And do you consider him, you know, a freshman and he's got to get his feet wet along the way? Um, you know, how far maybe a little bit behind is he from some of the other freshmen just because he spent the entire fall over playing football? Yeah. You know, last year we got, we got Overn right. During mm-hmm. team practice phase, we got Overn for six weeks in the fall. We, we, we saw Deuce for the first time January 7th or 8th. Right. So um, he's a wonderful young man. He's love his energy, great personality. He's what I've seen. He fits in well with the guys. I mean, they, 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 uh, he's right in the middle of all the, the verbal back and forth that you do on a, on a baseball team. It's all good. Um, but he's got a ways to go. Yeah. Right now he's raw. Um, um, but the speed tool is, is interesting right and um but as you know baseball man it's a it's a reps game it's a lot of reps and it's a lot and so he's really we had our first scrimmage last weekend so he's had he's had 10 10 at bats remember he didn't play he didn't play his senior year in high school either so he you know so right he's throwing into the the fire you talk about throwing into the fire i mean um but it's it's raw, but and it's workable, and he wants to get better. Um, but he he is behind the guys a little bit. But he started every game in left field last Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, and he'll do it again this weekend. So my, I got to find out, right? And so 
he's he's in it and let's go let's see if there's something there that that we feel like can 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 really kind of turn the corner um but um but he's working he's a great great young work he's great he's athletic he's fast he's strong he's, but it's just 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 raw um and so but uh i'm glad he's here i'm happy to be he's on our team i'm happy that we're able to work with him um but yeah, he, he's he's a little bit behind behind the others. He's gonna have to really move here, shotgun Jack, in the next month or so, right? And to see that that he's he should be on the field as on a regular basis. And it's not to say that he can't, because this is this is a heck of an athlete, right? So yeah, but time will tell. I think fans that are watching from the fringes, they know the names Overn and you know Deuce and Caden Aoki. They watch a game here, like you know here and then. Who are some of the guys that maybe didn't play a lot last season or did that you think could have more success than they did last year, maybe a breakout season? Who are some of those guys that fans should know? Well, I think, I think, well, Eric Hammond pitched a lot for us last year, but um, he's a different guy this year. He's a different guy. That yeah, he was coming out of Tommy John last year. And so he's just kind of trying to work his way through it a little bit, but I've probably been as encouraged by him as much as anybody just because I just feel like it's like, wow, it's a different guy, man. And, and the way he runs, the way his PFP, um, you know, just more command of his pitches, right? And um, I think he's been somebody that I think people go, oh, is a different guy. And Channing Austin, obviously, is, is a big arm. And we're hoping to be we can kind of use him at the back end. He was hurt last year. He was coming off Tommy John as well. And so um, I think Channing's got a chance to, to kind of be a, a lightning rod for us at the back end. And so I think – um, um, it sure would be kind of cool if he, because he works his tail off. He's a wonderful student, wonderful human being. Um, and so I certainly want to see him have success for himself, but obviously for, for us as well. Um, I think Wellesley's a guy, you know, I think Carson Wells is a guy that, man, we need, he, he did, he did, he did fine. He got a lot of pass last year, he did, but he needs to, he needs to be better. Plus nice outfield. Um, but we need him to to be a little bit more of a run producer and, and just kind of just be a better baseball player. And if he if he does, you know that that's going to help us become a, a better team as well. And so I think those are you know some of the guys I think of that 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 were on the team last year and actually played a lot. But I think that that I think that I hope that you're going to see just a more refined player in in year two. Andy, thanks so much for all the time. I really appreciate it. One last one quickly. Uh, you know, what is what's the areas that you still need to learn about with this group that maybe you hope to find out either in the next couple of weeks before the season starts or in the you know those first couple of weeks before conference play starts? What do you still need to learn? Because you do return a lot of players um, on both sides, and you're deeper in the on the pitching side, deeper, uh, you have more options on both sides. But what do you want to learn uh, in the next couple of weeks here? Well, good. Um, um, I want. I want. We have to figure out who needs to play where, right? We we do have some options, and so I think that the the, the, you know, the challenge right now is like, hey, um, Hedges, right? He played a great first base. He's playing third base now. Does he stay at third, or we move back to first? Brown, a big, big, big boy from Connecticut. If we bring Hedges back, do we put Brown in left field? Mm, okay, can he do it? Right? Do how do I get this uh, Kevin Takuchi on the field? Because he can. I think he can hit now, right? I think. Do I try to push him out to the outfield? So there's like, it's a good question because right now we're running out of time, right? And I, I don't think that, I think every coach will tell you that the starting lineup opening day is never the starting lineup at the end. We know that. And so, but so I, I feel like I've, we'll have time in the middle of it to figure it out. But at the same time, you, 
you, it's nice to know going in that you feel pretty good about where the guys are playing. All right. I don't want to play anybody out of place. That's going to hurt us defensively. I think, you you know, I'm kind of a defensive oriented guy to start out with. And so I don't want to, I don't want to put our team in jeopardy because I put somebody in the outfield or put somebody in a position to where he can't make a play and it costs us a game. Um, I'm, I don't want to do that, but I want to try to figure out a way to get as most as our best nine offensive players out there. And so I think that's what, that's what our staff has been doing in our meetings here lately is like, Hey, we're our best nine, best 10. Okay. These are the guys. How do we put them on the field that, that, that we're still going to be a really solid defensive team. I don't, I don't want to play somebody out of place. And so I think that's what we're trying to figure out in the next basically two weeks is try who, who can play where and play it well enough. They're not going to hurt us, but give us the best opportunity to produce more offense. That sounds like a jigsaw puzzle. It is, it, and it never, it never, it never ends. It never believe me. Line up, line up. It's, it's always, it's always interesting. You're just trying to tinker and figure out who should, who's going to give you the best shot on any given day. So, and then hopefully you don't have to deal with it. But then when there's an injury, then you got to move guys around a little bit more. So, uh, hopefully everyone stays healthy though for you. You got a ton of options, like we said. We're looking forward to seeing how the season progresses, even though. We won't be seeing you at Dado for the Dado down low. We'll be seeing you at a couple different parks around the way. Andy, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate having you on. Always, always, guys. Have a great, have a great weekend. Thank you. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Dado Download Podcast, part of the Peristyle Podcast family. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratling, saying thank you to Andy Stankowitz for joining us and to everyone for taking the time to listen. Please like, share, subscribe, and leave us a review on your podcast listening platform. We hope you can join us for the next episode of the Dado Download Podcast.